everybody. Welcome to the Femdimentalist podcast. I'm Faiza. And I'm Mahek. And this time around, it's just us. Like the good old days. The good old days. The good old days. Back to our roots. Back to our roots. And this is actually our season, our quarantine series season finale. Yeah, we decided five years in that it would be a good idea to break out. (laughs) Start doing seasons. Into seasons. So for those of you who missed the memo as of uh, 30 seconds ago, this is the end of another season. This is technically season three, even though we started this five years ago. It's fine. It is absolutely okay. Time stopped with the pandemic but funnily enough we started up again mm-hmm. um okay so yeah so we're taking a little bit of a different approach for this episode um compared to our last few recent episodes um and we canvassed you guys for questions burning questions that you had for us some of them are super thought-provoking some of them are just fun um but heck, i'm gonna let you choose Okay. So yeah, I mean, I think we got a really interesting mix. Um, I can't tell if all of these were serious or not, but we are going to jump right in. Let's start with um, this one. If you could pick. Okay, so Faiza, I'm going to ask you, you start and then I'll give my answer. All right. If you could pick one person in the whole wide world to interview dead or alive, who would you pick and what would you want to talk about so i thought of this answer like 2.5 seconds ago when we were chatting about who we would say and i think but i my like gut reaction is megan markle interesting not at all what i would expect i don't know why i feel like this is high key uh get to know us episode, and not just for our fans but i feel like this is for me to get to know you you can get to know me often where we ask each other i know guys this is how faiza and i hang out now now that we live miles and miles apart this is these are our catch-up sessions yeah Um, recorded sorry okay so megan markle it would be megan markle i think if, if we could have like you know, no holds barred, a very honest conversation. I would be like, no, not PC, not PC, no messaging, no like talking points and PR spin bullshit. But like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, how? How did it? Happen? How did you pull this off? How did you pull it off? Because this is a, a friggin' dynasty we're talking about here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And. You did what every American girl dreams of, which is marrying a fucking prince. And, and then, not deal with any of the nonsense and that then comes with it. To, yeah, exactly. Give up everything and move back to your hometown. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Oh, I like that answer. That was a fantastic answer. Fantastic answer. Uh, mine is not nearly as thought-provoking or deep. I would like to speak to Jennifer Lopez, who has not aged in every minute in her life. If you go through my Instagram DMs, the amount of people I send her pictures to with just the WTF as a caption, I don't understand. She's an enigma, bro. I don't get it. And not only just like physically, right? But like, I mean, even emotionally, how many insane breakups has this chick gone through? Like how many... How many chapters of her life have we seen her go through? And she's still just cool as hell. Nothing phases her. Not a wrinkle on her skin. You know, just dancing in her mansion with A-Rod. I mean, I I love it. I love it, J-Lo. Teach me. I'm like a hot mess about to buy up all the CBD gummies in the world. I know you had told me before we started recording that it was a superficial answer. Yeah, but I wasn't I lying. Was, you weren't <laughs> lying, but it's also totally legitimate. I'm telling you, 100 percent legitimate. She baffles me. She baffles me. I love her. Yeah, I love you, Jello. That's pretty good. I really like that one. Thank you. Um, I think they're both. Oh, pretty... I think you meant you really like the question. I really yeah, like the question. Really no, like and I like your no, I like your answer. I think hmm. both of ours are kind of like teach us, teach me your secrets. Yeah. Yeah, and I love that both of us picked these badass women. Mm-hmm. 
And we didn't discuss our fundamentalists, if you will. And we didn't didn't discuss our answers ahead of time. We didn't. This is totally off the cuff. If you guys haven't noticed, there's very little preparation that goes into any of our episodes. And this one is no different. 15 minutes ago, I was in a full-on Popeyes-induced depression nap. (laughs) And Mahek was... I was in the shower 15 minutes ago. After you smothered your kids to sleep. Yeah, yeah. Well, I actually just threw my kid away and <laughs> my husband handle it. Uh, okay, what's the next one? Next up. Uh, oh, are you waiting for yeah, me? I was waiting for you, but I can... Oh, on, I don't no, know. you pick, you pick. Okay. Sorry, I, I was drinking my water. Uh, okay, the next one is... I also really like this question, so thank you for the person who asked this one. We probably should have, like, shouted out handles, but if you know this is your question, you should feel proud of yourself. Um... If you pivot to video, meaning recording the podcast via video, which designers would you prefer to style you? So, Mahek, you answer, and then I'll give my answers. Okay. So, I'm, like, really feeling the Desi Fusion designers these days. Um, Full disclosure, I have only been exposed to them through Instagram. Um, So, shout out to social media for that for um, amplifying these types of artists and creators that we wouldn't necessarily come across in our daily lives. But um, like Bile Single, Shop by Kaina, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, and um, Holy Chic by Mega. I love, I love the vibes, just like very flowy um, silhouettes that are that have desi roots, but also like very contemporary, very fusion. I'm all about it. I love it. I love it. Those are really good designers, yeah. And my answer is, so I follow, there are a few designers that I follow on Instagram uh, and I and would want to design me. And these are like Pime, this guy. These are heavyweights. Um, Christian Sir- Siriano. Speak it into existence, girl. Next season. Christian Siriano, I just love all of his stuff. And I appreciate that he's super inclusive and does not shy away from dressing celebrities that don't conform to the, like, standard size. Um, so he's done, like, Leslie Jones. And I think he's he's done, like, um, Laverne Cox and uh, Mindy Kaling. Just, like, very much is in, you know, for all these designers who say they celebrate women's bodies, actually does celebrate women's bodies. Uh, in all forms and then Zach Posen I love his evening wear I think it's like so feminine and but also structured and powerful I love the way he marries it and then also he does really beautiful stuff with the pleating and ruffles and stuff like that um Zuhair Murad super original oh yeah Zuhair Murad is like is like that perfect blend of like kind of desi he's I think he's you know he's a Zuhair Murad moose muse Tell me. You know, you like how I just said it in a super fab way. Yes. Uh, Jennifer Lopez. Yes. That's the first time yes. I saw a Zohair gown. And I like for my wedding, I was like, I want to wear yeah. a Zohair gown. That's a deep cut. Stunning design. Even- yeah, it's, it's all good. Um, Pre-baby weight, I'm telling you. That was the life. Um, stunning design. Yeah. It's really stunning. He, so I felt him and I really just, I like... The be you know just like the traditional like desi style or like that's where I do like that's where I like, get into like the beading and the sequins and the all the gum and the work I love that stuff and then you know who I what celebrities red carpet looks I love Zendaya yes she eats up the red carpet in her like fucking power suits and shit like I love yeah yeah it's also the swagger though yeah. Like, as much as it is the design, it's also so much the swagger and how she just pulls it yeah. off effortlessly. It's a- absolutely. I could never put what she's wearing on and carry yeah. the look the way that she does. Yes. But I'd like yes. to think. And it has nothing to do, I mean, it has a little bit to do with, like, body type, yeah. but more is just, like, the fierceness. Right, exactly. So, yeah. those are, yeah, so there are a few out there that I would really like to just style me. In my fantastic dreams. Well, we'll check back in next season and see what you're wearing. We're, <laughs> gonna, we're gonna still be stuck in quarantine. I'm be oh wearing pajamas. Uh, no, because according to tonight's ba- debate, Biden has a plan. Oh no! He didn't really divulge the plan, but he's got a plan, and he's gonna make it go away. So it's fine. Next question. Um, 
so we got a couple iterations of this. So we'll just pick this one and kind of loop other similar topics um, into it. The, the question is, what are your plans for next season? And the reason I say we've gotten different iterations of this is we got a lot of questions regarding kind of what made us start, um, what the purpose was, what do we hope to accomplish? Um, and there's, there's a lot to it, obviously. I think if you've been listening to us since the beginning, which I know some of you have, and a lot of love uh, to you for showing us so much support over the years. But if you've been listening to us over the past few years since we started, the idea behind this was just to give women like us a voice in media because at the time, you know, going back 2015, 2016, um, podcasting was just starting to get hot. But, and there were definitely South Asians in the game, South Asians in media, but they weren't kind of having the conversations that Faiza and I felt that we were having, um, not only with each other, but with our friends and with our family and stuff. So this, this started off as a platform for just that, to have these conversations that we didn't feel other people were necessarily having in media. Um, and then I think, especially over the last season, it's kind of a little bit warped into, well, let's have the conversations, especially not only things from a South Asian female perspective, but things that affect South Asian women or minority women um, deeply. So that's, you know, things regarding reproductive health, sexuality, you know, political agency um, across the board. Yeah. Is that fair? No, I think that's exactly it. And I, we mentioned this on the podcast before why we started this um, and what we hoped to accomplish with the podcast. And as far as I'm concerned, we're fucking OG podcasters. Uh, we started this five years ago. And even though we haven't been very good about staying consistent, it's something that, you know, we started exactly because there wasn't that much representation in media like you see now right I mean we had like Mindy Kaling that we could point to and Aziz Ansari had just started coming up on the on the comedy scene but really there wasn't this call for more diversity and inclusion in representation um in in media at all Uh, and that's why we felt like all right instead of having these conversations in like a dark smoky hookah bar or like in our in your car at the end of the night like that's oh my god yeah let's talk about this we're having these conversations with our friends and family um why don't we just start recording and put it out there and see what the response is and the response was great and has been really great I mean even though we started up again like after two years of a kind of a hiatus we still still get a lot of love and a lot of support and I think what we started this season, I think for better, for worse, quarantine hit, not much to do. Why not? We've been talking about starting this up again for so long. We're doing it now. And I think because we still have that great support, we still have people reaching out to us being like, thank you so much for having this conversation, or this was really interesting. It reminds us why this is still needed. Even though there are plenty of podcasts out there that are doing this work, there's still room for all of us. Right. Uh, to have these conversations and provide different perspectives because we're not a monolith, right? We all have different experiences. We all walk this world very differently. And for us, it's just, here's a, here's a viewpoint from, from our perspectives and there's room. Um, And so I think for next season, we want to continue having these conversations. I think continue tackling taboos um, and like peeking into like the dark current corners of South Asian society and how things affect the minority communities at large. And we're going to be much more intentional, fingers crossed, for the next yeah. season. Um, given all, what we've learned during this series, I think we learned a lot during this yeah. like, the last few months. Yeah. Um, I want to put yeah. that into practice and really grow mm-hmm. not only like our following, of course, but also just like the topics that we're, yeah. you know. And I I think the overarching end goal is just to continue to produce content that resonates with someone, you know, and I I feel like every time we get a message from somebody, like, for example, I know the um, egg freezing episode, shout out to Hera again, uh, for that amazing conversation. I know that really 
struck a chord with so many women who listen, so many women that are in our circles. And, you know, when we get messages being like, hey, thank you so much for doing that because I'm currently going through the egg freezing process or I'm currently going through the IVF process and it's so alienating and it's so lonely. So, you know, thank you for having, it feels good. Yeah, it really man. does. No, absolutely. It feels really good. I want to, once upon a time I had started a blog that is now very defunct and embarrassing. Um, and, but whenever I would get like one comment or one, or just like someone texting me on the side or an email being like, thank you so much for posting this, or this was really, this was really great to read. It made me feel, I'm like, okay, that's why I'm doing it. I'm not doing it yeah. for the views and the follows. That's yeah. a, a nice- This isn't going to pay our bills. This is, right, exactly. It's a nice byproduct for sure, but just having some response or some engagement and it resonates with somebody is absolutely the goal here, the end goal. And actually, that's a great segue into yes. this next question, which is, did I start the process of freezing your eggs? So it's so funny because I saw this question last night when it popped up on our Instagram and I was like, fuck, someone's holding me. I got to go do this. I got to email HR right now. (laughs) Someone's holding me accountable. FML. Um, So then this morning, I literally like, I emailed my HR to be like, hey, listen, this is something I want to do. Uh, That's please, major, yeah, like I would appreciate your discretion. Good for you. Let me know what I did, need to do. Did you have Hera proofread your email? No, though? I know I said I would, but I was like, "Fuck, someone's calling me out on Instagram. I need to do this right now. I don't have time." Maybe Hera, Maybe Hera was like, she was talking so much I know, shit. I know. I was like, "I'm gonna do it tomorrow," and then tomorrow came and I didn't do it because. <laughs> That's just me. No, that's amazing. Good for you. Proud of you. Thank you for whoever asked this question for holding me accountable because otherwise I wouldn't get anything done. Fire under Fiza. Absolutely. Uh, Amazing. Oh, this one, this next one is going to be really good. And I think my answer is going to be kind of controversial. So I'm going to let you go first, Mahek. What is your favorite pizza? Oh, you I know. I set that up. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, what question is she looking at? Um, listen, I'm just going to unapologetically answer this and I'm not ashamed and I don't want to hear no shit from nobody because I feel what I feel and everybody's entitled to their own opinions. My favorite pizza is Domino's Black Box, game over, period, end of story. That's it. That's it. And I don't know why Domino's won't sponsor me yet with the amount of Instagram posts I have showing the black box but I love it and you know people think it's sacrilegious for somebody who spent so much time in New York City I don't like New York City pizza sorry okay I was up I was with you I was with you until that unapologetic (laughs) until that comment I I know this is going to resonate with someone (laughs) I'm cool with it it is what it is okay it's delicious all right you know what I don't feel so bad about my answer now thank you for that um Okay, so I have two. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> I have two favorite pizza toppings. I think that's what this question really is. It's like, what's your favorite pizza pizza topping, right? Oh, I didn't. I don't know. Okay. But we'll just, okay, you had the broader answer. Okay, I ha- so I have two, which is num- a very close second to my number one is um, Singa's, oh, Singa's, Singa's garlic. Okay. Singa's garlic. Singa's is is it desi owned? I've only ever seen it in like desi, and it's just Jersey, right? I think it might just be Jersey. It's in like it's in Edison and it's in in um Little India and Jersey City. Like I've only ever seen it there. So it's if you're not familiar, I'm pretty sure it's desi owned. I've only ever seen it in desi like bazaars and stuff. Um, and it's basically they do like almost like personal pan. It's like like how much is it like $10 or like $10 for five pies. It's crazy. And then you can get multiple toppings. Um, and my favorite is the garlic. The family favorite is the garlic. And we, we would go, we'd order like the three deals worth of pizza and then shove a bunch in the freezer. And then, wow. Yeah, we were legit. And then the number one is also Domino. Wait, I have a, I yeah. have a question about the garlic is it like a garlic brushing over the crust? no domino does that or it's like no, chopped no, no. garlic on the pizza it is straight up chopped garlic all so it's over like, 
Gharka pizza is what you're telling me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it is absolutely Gharka pizza. Like, it is somebody's mom, somebody's khala, Masi, is in the back making pizza. Yeah. It's delicious. It sounds delicious. It's real good. I would I would highly recommend. And then my number one is also Domino's, but it's, very, it's a very specific order. It is the Domino's Thin Crust Jalapeno Pineapple. I can't mess with the pineapple. I'm with you on the I'm with you on the thin crust and jalapeno. I hear you. But I respectfully disagree. And I know it's a controversial opinion, but the combination I just want the record to show that both of us answered dominoes. <laughs> That's it. That's all you I want. That's all. If if you take anything away from this, order dominoes tonight or whenever you're listening to this. Do your jalapeno pineapple or do spinach onion? I'm saying try it. Try it. You have nothing to lose. Do the deal. Get you like your whatever two pies for whatever the two medium, and do one jalapeno pineapple thin crust is important. The what helps is that it's this spicy, salty, sweet situation. Pineapple alone, no, I would never suggest that. But with the jalapeno, it is delicious. It'll blow your mind. And I've I make my own cast iron pizzas once in a while. Like I'll get dough from the local pizzeria and just like make my own. And so I. Mm-hmm will do whenever I have people come over. It's like, no, you're going to eat this. You're in my house. You have to eat this. Yeah. And I'll do yeah. pineapple and pickled jalapeno. And that's the way okay. to do it. Okay. I know it's I know it's a lot. I still can't co-sign the pineapple because I've tried it. I've never tried it with jalapeno. That's though, the key. So I'll, I'll concede that. I'll concede that. Um, what I will say, though, the really great thing about the Domino's thin crust is like you can eat half the pie and it feels like you had a slice. Yep. Speaking from experience. I, yeah. No, I fully agree. You could have a whole pie of the thin crust to yourself. I'm sure Ryan, who submitted that question, was not expecting a 15 minute <laughs> discussion on our favorite pizza. But there you go, Ryan. I will die on this hill. <laughs> Unapologetic, girl. Jalapeno pie. Unapologetic. On it. It's the only way to go. Okay, um, I feel like we kind of touched on this with the last question, but um, the next question is, what's your process in choosing guests and topics? I feel like that guests and topics choose us in a way. Ooh. It really is. I mean, I feel like we're pretty zeitgeisty, right? Like what's happening in media culture, pop culture, um, and who are people that are doing fun things? And often, like a lot of the times, it's like friends that are doing interesting things. And, a, you know, once in a while, we get real, we'll, we'll get lucky with like a Giran Rai, K Ray, um, who says yes to our like cold, cold emails to come on the pod. Um, yeah, yeah. And is so gracious and right. has such a great conversation with exactly. us. Exactly. Um, but I think for the most part, I, it's me and you like texting back and forth, being like, hey, what do you want to talk about this episode? Yeah. Who's a, who's yeah. a guest? Like who's a yeah. friend or someone in your network that would be willing to come on and talk about this or who's somebody yeah. interesting we could hit up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's pretty loosey goosey, just like our actual episodes, like our conversations. Definitely. Yes. But I think we either subconsciously or consciously make it a point to pick guests that kind of follow our general approach to this right so we're not looking for somebody who's super scripted or who's going to try to like really push their brand or we're looking for just honest down-to-earth real ass women or men um shout out Hamza Khan (laughs) yeah right (laughs) you know who we can really just vibe with because this isn't as you may have noticed by now like we don't do the scripted interview thing for better or for worse this really is conversation this really is like rapport this really is learning from one another um so we're looking always looking to collaborate with people who are open in that way yeah absolutely I mean like the Sneem cosmetics right we had this Sneem on and that was a great conversation and and she could have absolutely just used it as a plug for her brand but it turned out to be a really awesome conversation about diversity in the beauty industry and BLM's impact on like the world and all of that stuff. And she was just like, yeah, super gracious, well-spoken and like down for it, down for the conversation. And I think that's really important because that's really our ethos. It's just like transparent, honest conversations. Yeah. Just an authentic take on whatever we're discussing. Yeah. As you could probably tell by the quality of our production here, we don't really edit 
So. <laughs> but it's good. It's raw. You know what I mean? Like what you hear is what you get. There's nothing behind the scenes. There's no like magic sorcery of the audio. Um, this is us, no, guys. No frills. Uncut. Not lo-fi. Just no frills is what we should start saying. No frills. No frills. Okay. All right. Next up. Um, managing the mental load of being a woman. So how do we manage the mental load of being a woman? This is a, a very, this is a, a heavy this one. This is heavy. I feel like all of our episodes touch on this at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Do you have like yeah. a, a take on this one? Yo, I got so many takes, man. I had so many takes. Okay. So this is something I struggle with a lot because uh, I don't even know how to like convey this without just going off the reservation entirely. Um, I think obviously gender inequality is very real in every facet of life, whether it's work or home, child rearing, school, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but in the South Asian community, that gender equality is extremely magnified. So, for example, you may be a professional working woman or a person who's in college or in higher education or whatever it may be, pursuing your dreams, pursuing your aspirations, or just, you know, making your path for yourself out of necessity, but you're still required or expected to do X, Y, Z domestic quote unquote chores, right? And the expectation is always that that is your responsibility and that, you know, your brother, your father, your husband, your son, you know, what, whoever are the males in your life, they may help you because they're good guys, but they're not, they're not required to do the dishes and like keeping the house clean is your job. Um, and it just doesn't, it never has, it never will settle with me. And it's hard, especially when you look at it from the Islamic lens, where um, a woman's income is a woman's income, but a man's income is supposed to run the household. Um, and so a lot of people use that as justification for, well, you know, the responsibility for providing is on the man, therefore all the domestic duties should be on the woman because she's not actually required to work, right? She's required right. to do all the other things. But the reality is what I think, and this might be a really good segue into a question later, I think people forget that Islam is a dynamic religion. It was not, it was sent down hundreds of years ago, but it wasn't sent down only to rule that time period. It has to, and it can um, adjust to your current time period, your current society. And the reality is in today's Western society, a single income household is very difficult. Unless that single income is half a million, it's very, very, very difficult, especially in metropolitan areas. I was going to say, for if half a million in Kentucky will get you a real not in New York City right yeah exactly when you've got college expenses sitting at a hundred grand a year for one kid um so anyway I think the this is like turning into a lot longer than I thought it was going to be but we're in it now Mm. um the reality is that I think single income households just aren't as feasible as they no, may have they, been once upon a time. Right. That's the thing is the, that is that is dead. That's right. And as they adjust the the separate or the division of duties also has to 
adjust. And the reality is nothing is one person's responsibility. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. Even when you're living with a roommate, it's not like, well, I'm never going to take out the trash and, you know, I'm only ever going to do the dishes. Like you live together, you work as a unit. And this isn't just in a marital relationship. This is roommates. This is in your house. I think it's ludicrous the way South Asian women raise their sons. I think it's ludicrous when, you know, South Asian mothers call their sons bichata for having to take care of their children. Right. You're a parent. Also, men, if there are any men listening to this, you don't babysit your kids. They're your fucking kids. They're your kids. You're raising them. You're not babysitting. They're your kids. And I'm sorry you have to go to work in the morning, but you got to wake up with your kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think, I don't even know how I got to this point. Um, what I, what I mean to say is I think the struggle of being a woman in the society is heavy and it's real. And I think the South Asian culture makes it heavier with these antiquated ideas that just are not applicable anymore. And as much as I want to say it's the fault of men um, for continuing these patriarchal ideas of the the women in service and the men in power the reality is as women we we have been conditioned to also play along and we uphold the patriarchy right. in, order, in order for patriarchy to decide to to survive women have to uphold have it, to play into it. Right. You have, 100%. So, yes, it benefits men, but they are not the only ones who perpetuate right. it. Right. Right. Um, right. No, and I completely agree. I think in this, and this is my take note, minute 33, we've gotten to minute 33 before I start my anti capitalist screed. But <laughs> in an uber capitalist society that we live in, which requires a two income household, it's so, you know, we're on this pace where we need two income households, but culture hasn't met up gender expectations hasn't hasn't met up with that so you have an undue burden on women who are expected to and rightfully so pursue an education knock down those barriers get get your job get your bag but then also come home and do everything and i think for a lot of immigrant women this the idea of, of a second shift when you come home is kind of is a very Western idea and like second wave feminism where you have to like, you know, you're working and now you're suddenly, you, you suddenly now you're, you're working and you have to take care of domestic duties. But for a lot of immigrant women, that's, that was, that was the standard. The standard. You came to this country because you wanted a better yeah. life. You got a job, you got an education, you got a job and you took care of your kids. And a lot mm -hmm. of that's passed down, like you said, like generationally, right? Um, not only because you have these very gendered, social structures when you grow up in a Desi community, but then you also have the expectation that you need to bring some value outside of that, right? Nobody nobody yeah. wants a daughter-in-law that hasn't gone to college. Nobody really wants to say that their daughter-in-law just sits at home. Right. No, instead they want the daughter-in-law with a college degree who sits at yeah. home. So you can say, oh, she's educated, but no, no, no. Oh my God, our daughter-in-law doesn't. Right. Learn. Exactly. So it's, I think for me, as far as like the... It's hard. I think the answer is we don't know how to. We don't, it's, and that's the thing is like, that's why we're all so tired all the time, especially women of color. And I can't even, and, and this, I'm not, we can't ever touch on the experience of being a black woman in this country. Right. But like as a woman of color operating in this society, it's really fucking hard. We have to hold yeah. so many things. We have to hold the expectations of our family, our culture, yeah. both Desi and Western culture, and then also somehow succeed with all of those structural ba barriers Not in let place. Not any of the balls drop. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And by the way, I just want to say, even if you are lucky enough to live and exist in a situation where a single family or a single income is sufficient for your family, congrats, you're in the minority. But also, that still doesn't take away from the fact right. that you don't have to be the sole person responsible for managing the household. That's like a man saying, I work, so like I can't be bothered to shower. Basic hygiene, basic upkeep of your living area, yeah. it's not, that's not a chore. Right. You know what I mean? Cleaning up after yourself, that's not a chore. That's called being an adult. Right. So that to me, you know, that's even if the woman is not working, 
I still don't think that means she becomes the housekeeper. The other, um, I'm going to make two more points before I close this out and before I forget what I'm going to say. I think all of this has just really, really, really hit a boiling point with Corona. Oh, yeah. Because now women are at home and responsible for homeschooling and responsible for cooking the three meals a day because everybody's at home 24-7 and needs to eat. It's a lot. Women are crumbling under the pressure. And the newspaper articles, it's not enough. We have to make an actual societal change. Yeah, you're seeing women dropping out of the workforce in, in like precipitously because of COVID because they can't handle both. They can't. They can't. It's not possible. Even in the most equitable, egalitarian uh, like pairings, couples, like it's still the shift is still there. The dynamic is yeah. still there. It doesn't yeah. matter how yeah. like gender neutral you are it's still for whatever reason when you're in this environment like that shit still plays out Um, so I'm so glad you said that last piece because the last point I wanted to make was I think as far as marriages go knock on wood I think I'm really lucky to have such a rational level-headed spouse who is not in the least bit tainted by the South Asian prodigal son mm-hmm. Bimari. you know what I mean <laughs> I love you called it a Bimari. it really is <laughs> it is it's a plague upon our culture upon our people um you know, even though he is the eldest son, he doesn't have that, you know, Prince Faraz chip mm. on his shoulder. And I'm I'm thankful for that. But like you said, even in the most quote unquote egalitarian partnership, it's still there. Yeah. It's still there. The pandemic is a hundred percent stress testing that. It's still yes. it's like the like a vestigial if, right, vest vestigial? That's still yeah. limb, yeah. right? Like it's still there. Yeah. There's still this like in our little lizard brains. Yeah. Oh, it's women's work. Yeah. It's women's work. Yeah. It's you know, to be honest, with a lot of the guys that I find or that that I know who are have not been trained as like, oh my god, like they'll never say it's not my job because they don't think it's my it's not my job. It just doesn't even enter their universe right. of tasks they have to do yeah you know what I mean yeah like it doesn't even enter that oh I need to schedule my kids flu shot yeah doesn't even enter so like that's how conditioned we are that like it's why it's really wild yeah it really it's is really it reminds me of this conversation years ago like very like post right after college like I just graduated but we were still doing collegey things like meeting up at diners at three o'clock in the morning right um love it and uh, diner waffle fries yeah. hit different we were and we were near like college campus and really met up for something and then we went to the diner afterwards and uh they're a big group of us were often conversation and um I hear somebody say something like this guy say if my wife wants to work after having kids. I think that baby child's child care expenses should come out of her paycheck because it's her job to take care of kids. And then I turned to him. I was like, what, what, what did you say? And he was like, well, you know, like, um, my mom stayed at home to take care of us. I feel like, you know, I, like I'd want my, my wife to stay at home to take care of the kids. And, and, and I was like, but you're, but if she chooses to work, you're going to make her pay for child care. And he's like, yeah, I mean, whatever. That's just how I grew up. I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, you know, I appreciate, like, my mom staying home. I was like, well, my mom worked, and I came out fine, yeah. which I realized was not the right thing to say. No, but, I mean, you may appreciate that your mom stayed at home, but did anybody ask your mom if she yeah. appreciated staying at home? Did she agree with your – Right, like, what were the conditions? I'm, I'm assuming that you, your mom was expected to stay at home, that she didn't have an option. She wasn't given a choice. I've heard a variation of that, yeah. right? Where, oh, um, my wife would totally work, but honestly, daycare and childcare is so expensive that it just doesn't make sense. And I'm not denying how expensive childcare is. It's an abomination, actually, in this country. How 
But again, that like completely takes out of consideration a woman's own aspirations, a woman's own requirements for her mental health and mental sanity, what she needs to be a functional and productive wife, mother, spouse, you know, citizen of society. Uh, You, we reduce, it's this weird dichotomy where we reduce women to just the, um, their reproductive organs, right? Like the value of their womb. Uh, it, and, but then at the same time being like, you're not, you can't have, uh, autonomy over that. Right. So you have, you have to be a mother. You're, you, that's what your role is, but you can't choose when and how to be that mother. Like you're just, you have to fulfill this role. And those are, that's all you're allowed to do. And I remember, and the reason I say like me saying, you know, my mom worked and I turned out fine. Wasn't the best thing to say or the right thing to say, because I could tell from the way he looked at me was like, I don't want my kids to be like you. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want my daughters to be like you. And that I was mouthy as fuck. I questioned him. I like kind of did whatever I wanted. Like I, I, and I, and another friend of mine, also kind of said the same thing where he was like, yeah, I kind of want my wife to stay at home. And I, years later, I I told him about that. Like we, we met up for coffee much later. And I told him, I was like, Hey, I remember this conversation that we had. And this guy had said X, Y, Z, and you agreed. And he was like, Oh, I can't believe I said that. And he was like, I don't know why I said that. I'm sorry. And I was like, I don't know if he just said that because it, it doesn't matter why he said it, but he said it, right? And this is somebody that I actually consider like a good friend and would say is pretty on the on the more liberal progressive side of things. But yeah. at that moment, at three o'clock in the morning at that diner in, in New Brunswick, agreed with that sentiment. And yeah. so I feel like yeah. it's something that's so conditioned and so uh, like, like a knee-jerk reaction. Yes, yes. Look, and the reality is, you know, being a feminist or wanting gender equality doesn't mean that you demand every woman work or every woman have a higher education. It's about giving them the choice, right? This idea that's baked into South Asian culture that women must be martyrs for their families, that a woman must sacrifice her identity for her kids because of course, like that's what the mother is. That's what the ma does. No, no. not every woman is built like right, that. Exactly. I I've said it a million times and I will say it until I die. I'll say it to my kids. I would be a terrible, terrible, terrible person if I had to be a stay-at-home mother, I'm not built like right. that. And that's the thing. That's the difference, right? I think this the feminism was branded really poorly or like patriarchy branded feminism before feminism can brand itself, which was that it was like, you know, trying to even the, you know, women should just be exactly like men. It's not about that. It's about access and opportunity. We want equal access. And agency. And agency, exactly. And opportunity, right? And that's what we're asking for. We're asking or not asking for, that's what we're striving for is equal opportunity agency in our, in decision-making and uh, opportunity. I said that already. To be individuals before just filling a role. Right. These like markers of womanhood. Why can't I just be myself? Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's hard out there. Well, that was a doozy. That was, that went on for a a bit. Um, What's the next one? Should we switch it up with a light one before we go into the last doozy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. So this is all you, Fiza. The the masses have spoken. They need to know what is Fiza's skincare routine. That thirst trap worked. Um, yeah, the thirst traps backfired a little bit because um, now everybody knows that I'm super single. Um, but um, it was. super single with super fantastic skin that's a win yeah and that's the thing I said this on my like anybody actually follows my stories but I said this on my stories which is I will take every compliment on my skin like I'm not gonna do that thing that women do which is like no you should see me like when I'm uh, wake up in the morning no yes I have good skin skin. (laughs) yes I'm gonna fucking take it because I worked really hard to get this skin I um like sold my soul to Accutane uh, a few years ago, which is why I don't have acne anymore. I had like adult acne. I, the um, 
I had I had an IUD and that made me break out into cystic acne like never before I the, I will have I not shown you my before pictures Meg or remind me to no. send them to you they are well it's funny because you said that on your Instagram and I've known you at this point over a decade yeah and I don't remember it at all it's, I've always had problem skin and it's always been come and gone and then when I got my IUD I have we should do a I whole guess the shabar lighting yeah did wonders um no but I I feel like we I need we need to do a, an episode on IUDs because I feel like that was I'm down. I was uh, yeah. hoodwinked. Um. Anyway, so it gave me terrible. And it's funny because I'm like a, a IUD evangelist. I... So for some people, it really does great things, but for me, it caused me cystic acne and cysts. And wow. and uh, my it was really really bad. And finally, I went to my derm and I was like, I'm tired of like oral medication, antibiotics, and like this retinoid and this whatever foam I want to just I want to go on Accutane and um I went on it for seven months seven eight months for me I know that there it's a very powerful very potent drug um obviously talk to your dermatologist you can't get it without a prescription you have to do for women you have to do monthly blood tests um you have to like do a whole quiz every month on like how you're using two forms of contraception because if you get pregnant on Accutane you're baby's gonna come out with like three heads like all kinds of horrible stuff um anyway it really worked for me thankfully so that's why my skin is clear and then to maintain it I have a pretty um robust skincare routine and I put my recommendations like the most pared down version of like a skincare routine like when I'm running late or you know just don't feel like doing everything I use an AHA or BHA exfoliant which is a chemical exfoliant I don't like using I personally don't like using you use it daily. Yeah, you use it daily. They're very gentle. I don't like using physical exfoliants, like like kind of like the apricot scrub, St. Ives shit, like you know anything with like a an emollient or like a scrubby thing in it. I don't like using that because I find it to be too abrasive. It creates. It actually can, if you have acne, uh, exacerbate the issue because it creates um, micro tears in your skin. So with chemical exfoliants, they're actually much more gentle than it sounds. Um, and uh, I find that it helps my, like all the other skincare stuff that I put on absorb much better. So mm-hmm. I use an AHA or a BHA. Um, I use a vitamin C serum. Uh, and they're like really good ones on the market. Um, I like Polish Choice. I like Ole Enrixen. And I've used the Drunk Elephant one. And that's like in order of expense. So the cheapest to most expensive. And then... A really good moisturizer. Um, and that's about it. And then I use a retinoid. I use EpoDuo because just to control like any acne or anything like that. But I also am lucky in that I have access to pretty good skincare products. So I work for a beauty company. Um, but there are a lot of really good affordable, like Polish Choice, really good affordable products. It's all online, so they don't have to worry about retail stores. There's this line at Sephora, The Ordinary. Oh, yeah, I've heard things um, about that. Their products are like 15. I use one of their um, exfoliants, and it's like less than $8, and it's amazing. Um, so to your point, yes, there's definitely affordable. And honestly, the big blessing of the internet these days is there's so much user data that you can really do yep. your research and see, you know, people who have similar skin as you, um, similar issues as you, how it, how their skin did on it yeah. and make kind of informed decisions. Yeah. And I have pretty sensitive skin, so I have to be careful with like, there's certain like new things that come up, like hyaluronic acid is a new thing and niacinamide or something like that. That one breaks me mm-hmm. out. Um, so there, like, like you said, there is a wealth of information out there. And I just found out that there are like certain pairings you shouldn't use product, like you shouldn't use vitamin C and retinoid together or something like that because it destabilizes vitamin C, all kinds of stuff like that. So just like, there's plenty of stuff out there or plenty of resources to do, to, um, make an informed decision. But I think AHABH, like a chemical exfoliant, whatever that is, is a game changer. It got rid of texture. It evened out my skin tone. It, it just, um. Yeah, I would highly recommend dumping all of your physical exfoliants and going for a chemical one. I like that the yeah. most. Look at that. Yeah. yeah, DM me if you have any questions or if you want any other recommendations. Mm-hmm. But I have lived this. If you have trouble skin, believe me, I understand your pain. Okay. Yeah. Um, we are almost rounding out the hour, so let's finish it off with another heavy question. Uh-huh. 
that might turn into a rant. Ooh, yeah. The question is, what would you tell someone considering converting to Islam? And the person who asked the question is looking for an honest take. So the good, the bad, the ugly, um, the stereotypical, not stereotypical, mm-hmm. all of it. Okay. So. this is gonna be fun okay you want me to go first Uh, yeah i think the caveat here is for uh long-time listeners know that mahek and i are kind of like on i wouldn't say opposite ends but yeah i wouldn't say polar opposite we have we have like very different approaches to religion and like our belief systems are, are and we have very different practices right exactly um yeah so i i'm interested to see how we approach this question yeah so my biggest, the way I think about this question, to be honest, and you know, I can't believe that I'm the person now who relates everything to my new status as a mother, even though it's not that new. I have a two and a half year old. I don't know why I'm pretending <laughs> like this just happened yesterday. Um, but I, when I read this question, I immediately thought of what am I going to teach my kids about Islam? And you know, despite the fact that you and I have had different practice over the years or a different approach to religion my path has not at all been straight or linear Mm -hmm. right I have a lot of valleys I have a lot of peaks and sometimes the valleys go on for a very long time sometimes they're short-lived you know what I mean it's it's very much um at the risk of sounding corny it's very much a journey that I'm on every single day Mm -hmm. um and some of the things that I now as an adult when I look back at times where I was in an Islamic low what caused the low I think a big part of it is I think we teach kids from a young age the wrong things about the religion, right? You go to Sunday school and you're taught that if you don't do X, God is going to be mad at you. And, you know, everything is presented through that lens. Oh my God, if you don't finish the food on your plate, the devil's going to eat the food and, you know, he's going to be so happy and God's going to be so... Like these really bizarro lies that don't make any sense and you think like the devil literally lives inside your garbage can waiting for you to drop some extra food. He doesn't? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, so I think... Um, especially for like first generation or immigrant um, parents who came here and were trying so desperately to hold on to their religion, that was just the best way they could, teaching through fear. And I feel like for me, it just really prohibited me from developing the spiritual relationship that like I'm not incentivized by fear is what I learned. I'm more incentivized by, you know, the mercy and the beauty of the religion. So um, what I would teach my kids, which is also what I would tell somebody converting to Islam, is that before anything, it is a religion, forget religion, before anything, God is a benevolent, merciful being um and that's that should shape the rest of your understanding of the religion the other really 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 big piece is your journey is yours alone there is no value add there is no benefit in blind adherence to rules that somebody else has dictated towards to you I'm not saying people are malicious, although some are, um, but a lot of things get lost in translation. A lot of things get skewed with cultural traditions. Do your own research. We live in the age of infinite information. You have no excuse for not being able um, to research different things. Understand it and do what you understand. I'm not 
I'm not saying that there isn't a high level of faith required to practice Islam because at some point you have to acquiesce to the wisdom of God that's higher than the wisdom of a human. Um, but if something doesn't feel right, if something doesn't make sense, don't do it. Like you have to forge your own path. You have to answer for your own actions. And if you can't get right with something, don't do it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. figure it out. Find your own peace. Um, I think we are taught that Islam is strictly a religion of rules and regulations. And when people convert, you know, they get this like manual of all these things now suddenly that they can't do anymore. The only qualifying requirement to become a Muslim is a profession of faith. And if you hold that, that's it. That's it. God says you're Muslim if you profess that. Um, so F the haters who tell you you can't pray with nail polish. That's my <laughs> conclusion there. Um, no, I appreciate that because as someone who qualifies being saying that I'm or still identifying as Muslim as, as um, something I say that so that my I don't break my mom's heart. I I've struggled a lot with religion as well. Um, Actually, what you said about it being more about the you you practice for the for the beauty of it, not for like the promise, um, is really it, it reminds me of this quote that I read about a Sufi saint, Rabia al Basri, who walked the the town she, with a pail of water and a torch, um, saying that she would set the heavens ablaze and quench the fires of hell, so that she may love God, not for the promise of either, but for His beauty, and I think that's very important is what is your intention here um are you yeah. are you converting because of the beauty of the religion are you converting to attain something outside of just the benevolence of and mercy of god right um as someone who has struggled with their spiritual journey in the context of islam um you know i grew up with a mom who practiced but didn't push it on us um, and then a dad who used it when convenient and used it as a tool for punishment um, and so was not religious any in any traditional sense um, but during Ramzan would wake us up at like five o'clock in the morning and make us stay up until we had to go to school so that he could teach us like duas and, and whatnot and it was just you know but but then all the other months of the year didn't really practice or I remember we'd sit in at like people's houses and he'd get into arguments about religion and we'd sit there until like midnight with him arguing with some uncle or some imam that happened to be there about religion and it just so for me it was this kind of traumatic thing for a long time and it also and I understood that like okay I have this very um tumultuous relationship with religion and it would make me envious of my friends in like a in a bittersweet way um of my friends who, who found comfort in it because I could never find find comfort and I think I've grown from that as, as instead of because you know you can't always I'm an adult now so I can't pin everything on my childhood and mm. I'm I, I'm responsible for my actions and my decisions but I think I'm at the point where for me, in order to believe in something, and I heard somebody say this actually on another podcast, she, said, she kind of described it in a way that made, resonated with me, which is like, I need, in order for it to make, to make sense in my heart, I need it to make sense in my head. And for me, mm -hmm. I can't reconcile the two. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I understand how it, why it works for other people. And that's why I'm able to have friends that are religious. And I would say mm -hmm. like, a lot of my Desi friends are pretty religious or practicing. I should say practicing not like religious. Um, and, but for them, it's, it's very much this, it's about the beauty of it. It's about this. They've gone through their own spiritual journey where they've come to a place where they're not judging other people for not falling in line with their values. Right. So I can right. talk to them about how I go out and drink and date and whatever. And I, I don't ever feel judged because just because they're right. Muslim. Um, so I think right. it very much, like you said, has to do with intention. Make sure that you are doing your research, personal research, mm -hmm. because there are a ton of, mm -hmm. there are a ton of these like new, this new Phonies. crop of, yeah, exactly. Like, mm -hmm. you know, scholars and clerics who are progressive and hip and then you turn and they, 
and then behind closed doors are dirt bags. So mm-hmm. uh, I won't name names, but what's his name? Mm-hmm. I forget his name. That one. All of them. <laughs> yeah, all of them, pretty much. Literally all of them. So do your research. Make sure that your your intention is clear, and um, you really understand what you're getting into. I. I, I would never stop someone just because I'm not religious and uh, have had a, this kind of difficult relationship with religion. I would never stop anyone from converting. I would just I would just caution them um, to make sure that they're doing it for the right reasons, because committing to a religion and practicing is a very real thing. And a lot of Muslims you meet, especially in the basic community, it is just something they grew up with. They don't question it for a second. And that, to me, is not true faith. So, Right, blind following. Right. And and that's what we grew up with. We all grew up with blind faith. And it's up to you to um, take off the blinders. Carve your own journey Mm -hmm. out of it. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then. Yep. That covered a lot of ground. Um, Is there anything else? Any final thoughts before we sign off? We didn't really touch on, um, or just like lessons learned from this whole series. It's gonna be hard. Yeah. Okay. All right. You first. Let me think. Damn. Um, (laughs) Lessons learned from this pandemic shutdown quarantine both life and this doing this series um Mm. i think one is that this was definitely an introvert's wet dream for me i was one of the few kind of lucky ones in that um i flourished during the pandemic. I think I, I, what it is, is that I am very good at distracting myself. I'm very good at compartmentalizing. I think that's what it was. And because I didn't have the distraction of a commute and going into the office and work and go, and I live in New York city, right? I live in New York city. So it's go, go, go. I'm getting up in the morning, getting ready for work, going to work, doing work, meeting up with friends after commuting back home. Then, you know, trying to like take care of chore. Yeah. All of that. I didn't have that distraction. Handle your responsibilities as as a woman. woman So Mm. I think it really made me sit still for the first time in a very long time and Mm. uh, forced me to process a lot of feelings that I was avoiding because I am the master of, of just compartmentalizing and taking every care of everyone else besides myself. Um, and it made me realize some really harsh truths about my relationship at the time, um, the what, how I was operating, um, all the coping mechanisms I had developed as a child not serving me anymore, all of those things. And because I was, I'm also working with like a really great therapist, was able to start slowly shedding a lot, a lot of that. Um, yeah. And so which is one of the reasons why I wanted to start up the series again, get serious about it, uh, you know, writing again. And it gave you the space for all of that. It really just gave me the space to do all of that for finally, which I'm, I'm really, I'm grateful for. I mean, as shitty as this has been for everybody and not to say that every day has been great and I've been super productive because I've had some really shitty days and sometimes weeks at a time where like I could barely get out of bed and function, you know? Um, but I think I needed that. I needed that. And it made, it gave me that. So I feel like I'm a, like a caterpillar in a cocoon turning into goo. Turning into a butterfly. Yeah. And hopefully, uh, you know what? 2021. hungry caterpillar. I'll come out as a butterfly. But yeah, that's, it's definitely forced me to stop and it re- That's amazing. Examine. That's amazing. Yeah. And good for you for taking that space and not, you know, you could have very easily just continued to ignore all these things that were coming to a head. Um, But good on you for kind of taking responsibility and ownership of your life and working through it all. Yeah, I mean, it's been, it's definitely been a really hard, it's been really fucking hard, like, 
takes a lot of work. Yeah, it really does. And I would this would yeah. this is a PSA to everybody listening. If you don't have a therapist, a good therapist, a good therapist, yeah. find one. A good therapist, because yeah. right. I have I, like this is keep trying. This is my third therapist. So I would say keep trying, and it really, it really does make a difference. I, I think of myself as a pretty introspective, like self-reflective person. I can some, I can often like identify what the like issue is, the root of the problem. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. working with this therapist, who's like worth every they fucking, parse it out differently. Oh my god, she's yeah. made me realize, recognize some patterns that I never saw before, or just like, yeah, help, really does help me process my feelings and reframe my thinking. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's yeah. I would. I hope that people take that seriously, because I, I feel like, especially when you're when you grow up as a hyphenate in this country, yeah. it's a mind fuck. Yeah. Especially with all the race yeah. relations shit going on, it's a mind yeah. fuck. Like, do yourself the favor, treat yourself with grace and kindness, and get yourself a therapist. And like you said, you don't know what you don't mm-hmm. know, right? So you may think that you have your emotions under control and you know how you process things, and the reality may be that you're missing yeah. a big piece of it. Yeah. Absolutely, 100%. That's important. What about for you? Um, my reflection is not nearly as deep or um, encouraging <laughs> for the world. Um, my big takeaway from this season is that you and I, either through our circles or through the power of the Googles and the Internet, know a lot of really badass people. And I think we had some really fantastic genuinely fantastic guests, genuinely fantastic conversations this season, um, more so than we've had in the past. And I'm really, really excited to see um, what we drum up next season. I know we've already been kind of talking about the different topics we want to cover and the different elements that we want to bring to light in the society. Um, so I'm, I'm stoked. I'm genuinely stoked. Yeah. Same. Same Z's. And thank you guys for all of your questions. Yeah. And for your encouragement and your support and your comments over the season, you know, like we said, um, in the beginning, the point of this is just for it to resonate with someone. And if it does let us know, it makes us feel good. Um, and keep listening. Yeah. Thank you, guys. We'll be back. Uh, we'll obviously keep you updated on... We might not be back if <laughs> Trump wins, to be Oh, no. Really then real. everybody should leave the... Yeah, leave the country. I think everybody at that point should just fend for themselves. And so you have one last sweet thing to listen to. Yeah. Before the world is set on fire Before again. the apocalypse. Yep. All right, guys. All right, thanks. Thanks for your support. We'll see you guys next season. Yay! Or hear you guys next season. Yep. <laughs> All right. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.